0: Amen. Isn't that a great song? Uh, you know, we are beginning a new series of messages today called The Spoken Word. And, and I really believe that what people need to hear is a word from believers in order to encourage them. Because the fact is, we live in a world of brokenness. And that is one of my favorite things about that song is that that we have a God who is a healer. And I, I don't know everything about you guys. I know some of you, and I can look out, and I know some of the struggles that you've been through in, in life and some of the difficult things that you've dealt with. And I just want you to know today that there is a God who is a healer. Uh, there is a God who can take your brokenness, and he can put you back together again. And I believe that we are we are living, as I said earlier, we're living in a world of brokenness, and people need to hear That there is a God who can heal. That there is a God who can take your life... And he can put it all back together again. And I think what happens to a lot of us is that we feel like that we're always, you know, we're always plugging holes in life. And you're trying, to, you're trying to get your fingers in all the leaks that are in, in the dams. And then right when you feel like you've got all ten fingers in and everything's all plugged up, there's another one that just sort of pops up. And you're like, man, this is ridiculous. I mean, what kind of a world do we live in? And it just gets very frustrating. And you can get to a point in your life where you start just saying, hey, why bother? You know, does it even matter what I do? Because it seems like as hard as I try, that things just continue to blow up in my face. And what I I want us to see as we go through this series on the spoken word is that we have have a God who can do something about all this. Uh, We have a God who can provide us with hope and with meaning. And so today we're beginning a new series of messages called The Spoken Word. And guys, it is imperative for us as the church that we speak the Word of God to people. That we let people know that there is a God of restoration. A God who can take your broken life and He can put it back together again. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look in the book of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bible, you can turn me to Jeremiah chapter 18. Uh, you might say, well, where's Jeremiah? If you go to the middle of your Bible and hang a right... You're going to eventually run into it. It's not don't hang too hard of a right or you're going to pass it. But Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1, middle of your Bible, hang, hang a right a little bit. And I'm just asking ask you a question. How many of y'all have, have read through the book of Jeremiah? If you haven't, that's okay. How many of you have? Okay, would you say that Jeremiah, if you remember it, how uplifting of a book is Jeremiah? Okay, what, if, if you say that it's an uplifting book, you're like, you ain't read the book. Let me tell you something. It is like one of the most depressing books that you can read, but there are great lessons in the book. As a matter of fact, I, I love the book of Jeremiah, not because it's bad news all the time, but I like it because I just can't imagine what it must have been like to be Jeremiah. Y'all, this has this is not my notes, so this is free stuff for y'all. Um, I love history, and I love to I to look things up. And, and Jeremiah was a prophet that was called by God. He said, "I want God said, I want you to speak a message basically of judgment uh, for your entire career, which would have spanned probably around 50 years. Yet, how, Would y'all enjoy coming to church if I just stood up here every Sunday and preached a message of judgment every week? That would be so fun, wouldn't it? And some of you might be thinking, well, we feel like that you do already. Well, it ain't been 50 years yet, so you take your time. we got plenty of time left. But that's what Jeremiah was called to do. And, and God told him, he said, now nah, as you preach, there's going to be people making weird faces at you, uh, which I like, because I understand that, because y'all do make some strange faces. Typically, they're more like this. You know, like I'm sound asleep. But God told Jeremiah in the very first few chapters of Jeremiah, He said, do not be dismayed by their faces. And so I've always taken that to heart so that whenever I look out at you guys, and most of the time your faces are nice and happy and bright, but I'm not. Like God tells me, hey, don't be dismayed by their faces. Okay, anyway, that had nothing to do with the message today. But Jeremiah is given a message to preach judgment to people. And the reason why is because the people of Israel are constantly sinning. I constantly being disobedient to God. Their lives were broken. And what did they need? They needed healing. Now, for those of us in the church, it's easy to look into the church. And if we're here today, we can say, well, our lives aren't broken. We're better than everybody else. But you know what I'm figuring out? The people here are broken too. And people here, just like in the nation of Israel, needed healing. The nation of Israel had disobeyed God for so long, God was telling Jeremiah, you're going to tell the people that they are going to go into captivity, Babylonian captivity, for 70 years because of their disobedience. Now, there's the, the famous king of Babylon. Anybody know? The one big name that you know from the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king. He's the guy that's coming into Israel at this time, and he's going to take it over. And Jeremiah is the one who's the preacher, really the big prophet at this time, telling people judgment's getting ready to come. Brokenness, real brokenness is getting ready to come into your life. And some of you have already experienced that. But I think it's important for us to understand a few things about brokenness. You see, as we're going to share the spoken word of people who are broken, there are some things we need to know about brokenness. What do we need to know about brokenness? And the first thing that I think is really important for us to understand is that all of us are damaged goods. Everybody in this room today is damaged in some way. In verse number 1 it says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. God, God is demonstrating through this story here. That all of us are damaged goods. He told Jeremiah he wanted to give him a visual lesson. He said, go to the potter's house and watch him make clay. And as he goes to the potter's house, if you look in the scripture, back in verse number chapter 18, he says, go to the potter's house. You're going to see this man working with clay. And the point God's trying to get across to Jeremiah is that God is the potter and we are the clay. Now, what does a potter do with clay? He makes it and shapes it into whatever he wants to form it into. Does that make sense to y'all? I mean, Potter, if he's working on it. I mean, he's making it into a vessel that he's going to be able to use. But as Jeremiah, he goes down to the valley of Hinnom, which is just I believe it's south of Jerusalem, just in a valley, he goes down there, it says, the potter's working with the clay. As he begins to work with the clay, there's a problem with the clay. And if you look in verse number 4, what does it say is wrong with the clay? It says, the clay was marred in his hands. Now, that word marred, it means to be spoiled, uh, to, be, to be messed up, to be ruined. Now, did the potter do anything to ruin the clay? No. No. Abraham didn't do anything to ruin the clay. I mean, he just simply picked up the clay, began to work with it, and it was messed up. Now I thought about that, and I thought, well, what can be wrong with clay? Whenever you're a kid, do y'all remember? And I don't know some of you. Some of you are younger. I don't know. I don't even remember if they saw do they, they doh They still make that stuff. Okay, Play-Doh. Y'all remember playing with that stuff? I love that stuff. I used to eat it at times, Uh, but it comes in all these bright colors, and I know some of you did too because it looks so good—red, yellow, green, there was white, all these different colors. But you remember when you play with it, it was real soft and malleable. Just it felt—it feels good, doesn't it? I love that new—that that that smell of Play-Doh when you first open it up. It's like, ah, it just smells so good. But what happens if you leave the lid off the Play-Doh for like a couple of days? All right, if you leave it out, and for those of you who have kids, and it's been a while since our kids have played with it, but I remember telling you, put the Play-Doh up. And, of course, they would never do it. And then you'd come out like the next morning, and what's the Play-Doh like? It is. It is dried out hard as a rock. You grab the Play-Doh, you squeeze it, and it crumbles in your hands. And I'm thinking, what is this stuff made out of that it only lasts for a day? Well, that's what's going on in our text. It's not that we're using Play-Doh, but the the clay was no longer malleable in the hands of the potter. And the potter couldn't use it anymore. Just like your Play-Doh, when it gets dried out, you can't use it anymore. Now, God desires to shape us into a particular shape, but whenever we are dried out spiritually, well, what do you think it is that God can do with us? What can He do with us? He's not going to be able to do a a whole lot with us. So what is it that damages our lives? What is it that causes us to be dried out? What causes us not to be malleable and pliable in the hands of God? You know what it is? It's sin. Now how does sin get into our lives? Did God put sin into our lives? Or do we make the choice to sin and to be disobedient to the leadership of God? I'm here to tell you. Guys, I, I naturally sin. Nobody has to tell me to sin. I can, I can handle that one on my own. And the Bible says that all of us can. And it says that all of us do. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Y'all heard that verse before? It says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now I know it's easy to look around and we can say, Well, I may be damaged. But as I look around this room, I'm not as damaged as that guy. You know, I'm not as messed up as that person over there. I have had all that bad stuff happen in my life. But listen is what the Bible says. James two ten says, "For whoever keeps the whole law and yet just stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it." Now, I don't care how good you are. If you mess up, you can. If you mess up a thousand times, or you mess up one time. The Bible says you are guilty of breaking the law. Now does that seem fair to y'all? I mean, that does not, I, I've read that verse you know, my whole life, and it, does, it doesn't seem fair to me. I think, well, if I've sinned less, then I should get more points than that other person. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be held accountable for so much. But you know what, what God is looking for? God is holy and He's righteous, and God is looking for perfection from His creation. God desires perfection from us. Now that's the scary news, because we all know that nobody here is perfect. Romans 3:10 through 12 says, "There's no one who's righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. None of us does good. We all sin. When I was a kid, I was a big evil can evil fan. Love the guy. I had the Evil Knievel doll. Yeah, I shouldn't say doll. Action figure. I have the Evil Knievel action figure. He had the little helmet you'd slip onto his head, had a motorcycle, the little cord you'd pull, and you'd, you know, he would shoot off, and you know, you he you had a little ramp, and he'd jump over it. And I, I love that thing. So I'm Evil, I was an Evil Knievel fan, but y'all remember when he did this Snake River Canyon jump? I remember watching that on television. I was so excited. I was like, I cannot wait to see this. He's this little rocket thing. They're going to shoot him over the, over the canyon. If you remember, and I, I was a little kid, and I was watching this thing. They shoot that rocket off, and it goes up in the air. And you all remember what happens next? It, it went straight down. Talk about disappointing. I wasn't even worried about Evil Knievel. I'm thinking, man, what a bum ride that was. I mean, you know, not, not to mention the fact that the guy's heading straight into a canyon. Now, he missed. He didn't make it over. Now, the point is, what, what if he would have gone out 300 more feet? That would have been great, I guess, except for would he have made it across? He still would have made it across. So the point is, you can, you can miss by 5 feet... Or a thousand feet. But a miss is still a miss. And the same idea is true concerning how we live our lives. Whether you have a big crater of failure in your life or little failures in your life. In the eyes of God, it is imperfection and it is a miss. And as God works with you as a piece of clay... Man, he he can't use us as we are disobedient to his leadership. And again, what Jeremiah is teaching the people of Judah is that he's like, Hey, they're broken. You're broken. You are damaged goods because until they become aware of that fact, then it's not gonna be worth anything. Yeah, I've always heard that in uh, in recovery programs, they tell you that you know you go through that stage of denial. And if you're going to if you're going to move forward and progress and have healing in your life, you have to move past denial. And I believe concerning our relationship with God, if we're going to to grow in our walk with God, we have to move past that phase of denial in our relationship with God. And I, because I believe there's a lot of us who are in denial concerning our relationship with God. And we say things like, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. I've done more good things than bad things in my life. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. And, and, and we feel good about ourselves, but the Bible points out to us we need to understand that in the eyes of God, not your eyes, the eyes of God, we are damaged goods. And that's, that's, I know that's a depressing start to the message, but that's, there's some things we need to understand about brokenness. Now, the first thing we have to understand about brokenness is we're all broken. We are all damaged goods. But there's another thing that I want you to see about brokenness. And this is the good news. That is that there is a hope for renewal. Even in the midst of brokenness, there is a hope for renewal. Look with me in verse number four. It said, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Now, Jeremiah noticed that when the potter was first holding the clay, it was ruined. And it, what could have been going on with the clays, it could have been too stiff. There could have been a stone in it. There could have been something that caused him not to be able to shape it. But if you notice in verse number four, if you look in there, do you see anywhere where it says that when he got the clay and he saw that it was marred, that he picked it up and said, Well, this clay's no good. I'm throwing it out. Do you see that anywhere? No. Oh. What does it say? He did that. The, the clay was marred, and says so. The potter formed it into another pot. He began to rework the clay so that he could make it into a useful vessel. I did a little research on pottery, just to, i know y'all are impressed with that. And so I was like, you know, whenever the the clay's all dried out, what can these guys do with it? And what they do is they, they poke holes in it or they, they sometimes have to get a hammer and bust it up and then they pour, put water all over it and leave it there for a few days. And as they leave the clay in the water for a few days, that dry clay gets hydrated again. And after a few days, the potter can come in and he can get that clay and he can begin to work it again. And it becomes malleable. It becomes pliable. It, it allows the potter once again to shape that vessel into something that he wants to shape it into something that he wants to shape it. Now, apply this to life. Now, I honestly believe that there's, there are a lot of obstacles that stand between us and God in a vibrant relationship with the Lord. And like that clay, that obstacle that stands between us and God and having a vibrant life with God is we become dry, just like that clay. Now, if we're going to get over being dry... If we're going to become malleable again, something has to happen so that we're pliable in the hands of God again. And it's not that we're going to poke holes in our lives and lay in water and then we get all better again. But the way we become malleable again is with repentance. Repentance. The word repent means to make a 180 degree turn from the direction in which you are presently headed. We are to repent now, sometimes we are so spiritually dry that, that we, can, we can come into this place and feel nothing. We can read Scripture and it doesn't do anything for us. We're not going to be obedient to it. You know, we can just simply feel like that when we pray that our prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. And yet our God is a patient God. Now, don't ever get to a point where you feel like, you know, like that clay that's all dried out, that God's just going to take us, He's going to chunk us off to the side and say, well, Bill over there, he's not worth anything anymore. He's, I can't use him. I'm done with him. God is patient with people. In Second Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord's not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to Repentance. And that repentance is what makes us malleable again. Now, whenever we don't repent and we decide we're going to hang on to the direction of life we choose, guys, we're going to be on a path, on a road that God doesn't want us to be on. And that path and that road leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to destruction. But when we repent and we follow the leadership of God... There's blessings that come. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, at first, you can say, Well, then if I'm supposed to give up following after my wants and desires, man, it seems like I've got to give up everything good in life that's enjoyable in life if I'm going to you know, follow God. Let me tell you something. If you decide to follow God, it's going to be better than you ever dreamed. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that's at work within us. You see, following God's leadership in your life, it will lead to peace, it will lead to forgiveness, it will lead to joy, it will lead to hope, it will lead to meaning. Because our God can restore us. You know, in businesses, whenever they, they pack and, and ship certain items, they put them on those, those wood crates. And those wood crates are, you know, after a period of time, they get all dinged up, they get messed up, and so they, they hire companies out, businesses do, to come in and to chip up that wood, those crates, and then just get rid of it. Well, this one guy, uh, an op- entrepreneur, saw what they are doing, and he asked about those wood crates, and he said, what kind of wood are those crates made out of? Now, this is interesting. Most of those crates that they do shipping with, you know, they're made out of hardwood. They're made out of things like cherry wood, oak, and sometimes even mahogany. Now this guy heard about that and he thought, well, I can do something with that. And so he said, what do you all do with the wood now? And they said, well, we chip it up and they throw it out. Well, he decided to start recycling that those crates and turning them into furniture. Now, whenever you chipped up those crates, they were worth $6 a ton. When this guy got a hold of it, and started making furniture out of it, it was worth $6,000 a ton. Now, Isn't that interesting? I think that's a really interesting story. And I go, man, talk about the restorative power of something. I mean, somebody can take something and make it new. Did you know that's what God does with us? God can take your beaten up, broken life, and He can turn it into something valuable. Now, there's some things we need to know about brokenness. First of all, all of us are damaged goods. That's the bad news. But here's the other thing we need to know. That is that there's hope for renewal, but also there is healing in the hands of the potter. That's the last thing I want you to see today. There's healing in the hands of the potter. Our last two verses here, it says, "...and the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." Now, Jeremiah, he preached this message of judgment all the time because he wanted people to repent. He wanted his nation to turn around because he knew if they did not turn around from following their own ways to seeking after God, that they're going to miss out on God's blessing. And it wasn't just they're going to miss out on God's blessing. He knew that God would turn them over to their own way of life. And God eventually is going to say to us, if you choose to go your own way, I'm going to allow you to reap the consequences of that. That's what happened to Israel. As you read through the book of Jeremiah, again, not an uplifting book, but as you read through it, what you're going to find out is the people were consistently hard-headed and disobedient. So we're going to live our way. You know what happened to them? Babylon comes in. They set up siege works all around Jerusalem. It got so bad that people, to survive, began to practice cannibalism. You read through Jeremiah, Lamentations, It was an absolutely horrible situation. Now guys, whenever we live a life apart from God's path and His leadership, it leads to destruction. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. The picture is if we refuse to follow God's leadership, we're going to earn our own wages. We're going to get what we paid for and how we lived. What is it? The Bible says it's death. Now, I don't think anybody wants to receive that salary. We, we'd like to be rescued for that. Now, here's the good news. The rest of that verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when we place our broken lives under the leadership of God and we call out to Him for His mercy, He, cha- he changes our payment plan. We no longer get death as our wages. Instead, we receive life. We receive the path of God. Jesus promises to lead us and to take care of us. Now here's the question. Are you broken? In your life today, are you broken? Do you need someone who can fill the cracks that are in your life? Because it's only going to happen whenever you place yourself in the hands of God. Who is, according to our text, He is the potter. And we are the clay. And He can make us into anything that He chooses. And what I've discovered about the path of God is that His road is straight. You know, instead of me meandering all through life, the path of God is straight. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths Straight. Now there's some things to understand about brokenness. We're all damaged goods. All of us. The second thing to understand is there's hope for renewal. And there's healing in the hands of the potter. Now folks, we're going to go through a series of messages called The Spoken Word. Because I believe, or I know, this world is broken. Broken. And we have friends, and we have family, and we have neighbors who have absolutely been chewed up and spit out by this life. And they need to receive the spoken word of Jesus Christ to find redemption and to find healing. And if it's going to happen, it will begin with us. It will begin with us. And so what I'd like for us to do during this time As we close our services, you just simply, where you are, pray and you talk to the Lord and just simply say, Jesus, as a follower of you, I pray that you will open my my heart and my eyes to the people around me that I can pray for, that I can pray that their hearts will be sensitive to you, that I can invite into the church where they're going to hear the word of God so that their lives might be mended. So let's just use this time simply to pray for those that we know and that we might not even know that their lives would be mended and pray that God would use you to reach out to them. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I I pray. I pray, Lord, that you will impress upon our hearts people who are in need of you, people who are broken. And Lord, it doesn't have to be obvious that their lives are in shambles. It could be people who have everything on the surface going just right in their lives. But God, there is an unease within their spirit that they are not, that they are not fulfilled. That they are missing something. God, I pray that, that believers, that village church, would stand in the gap for these people with our prayers. Lord, with our invitations to them, with our love to them, with our service towards them. God, that they might discover that there's a God who heals. That there's a God who sees us mired in sin and who, who puts a hand down and says, you just grab my hand and let go that sin. And I'll pull you out of the pit. God, I pray for lives to be restored here. I pray, Jesus, that the people we pray for, that we will see firsthand their lives touched by the grace of Jesus. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.